Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan, and only Devin Hassan today, a, a two-man show. David uh, David Woolman, I guess, in route back to the Dallas area from Colorado, took a little weekend getaway, so I uh, hope he's uh, safe travels to David. But nevertheless, Devin, it's uh, just you and I today, and wouldn't you know it, man, for one more week at least, got a lot of soccer to talk about. <laughs> Is it is uh, the the herd has it's thinned a little bit from the ten teams that we had headed to the regional semifinals last week, but not by much. We got six teams, and, and even the teams that uh, we say goodbye to barely went out. Those oh, yeah. were all close matches all last week. No kidding. So we um yeah we have six teams within our coverage area who are playing in the state semifinals on Tuesday night, the penultimate round of the postseason, and that has to be. I mean, again, I don't have any frame of reference, but I mean, just going off just the sheer volume that's got to be the most that our coverage area has ever had in any sport at uh, at one time so yeah we have two teams in 6a two in 5a two in 4a so just going to work backwards and um yeah just touch uh, a few minutes on uh, on everybody that's still standing as we uh, as we uh, we're, uh, we're inching closer and closer to that finish line but yes we have six teams that are bound for the state semifinals later on this week um yeah let's start over in 6a i guess with the uh, with the allen boys and the flower Mountain girls who are uh, are still alive and kicking. Uh, the Allen boys in the uh, state semifinals for the first time ever. Their deepest playoff run in program history. And um, over the past week, they um, let's see, in the regional semifinals, they took down Keller. I was at that game. Could talk a little bit about that one. Um, in, what a, uh, in a game that was um, a little bit different from basically every match Allen had played over the past few weeks. Um, for the first time, really, um, since their, uh, their last loss, which came March 1st against McKinney. Kenny Boyd, a uh, a 1-0 shutout loss. For the first time since then, Allen finally ran into a defense that you know pushed back a bit and didn't just get eviscerated by this uh, this pressure cooker offense that Allen has had rolling out for um, for quite some time. They had scored at least three goals in each of their first three rounds of the playoffs, and then against uh, against Keller, this is a 1-1 match through 100 minutes of soccer. So bit of a uh, you know bit of uncharted waters for uh, for Allen as far as you know okay the first time that they have not been able to generate offense like they had been uh, you know a bit accustomed to it was uh, Sam Presser who was able to net an equalizer in the uh, in the first half after um I believe it was a PK goal that um that Keller was able to get on the board first with um, but this goes to a shootout the first time that Allen has been in a shootout all season and um, there was not a whole lot of drama to this because Allen won a perfect five for five <laughs> on their PKs and not only did they go a perfect five for five, they all aimed in the exact same spot. They shot left on all five shots and, yeah, went perfect five for five. Yeah. 
Um, so, um, yeah, there was not a whole lot of drama to this one. They end up winning in PKs 5-3, to three, and that then sets up a regional final against El Paso Eastlake. And I'm not going to act like I'm any sort of authority on El Paso Eastlake soccer, but um, at least from reading around, there was at least the idea out there that um, of the uh, of the eight teams that were um, that were still left in um, in Class Six A on the boys' side, you could argue that Eastlake was maybe the best of them remaining, and was uh, at least you know at some outlets the odds-on favorite to outright win the state championship. Allen. Uh, Puts, a, uh, puts the kibosh on that. They beat him 3-2. to two. Um, They were able to score two goals inside the final 16 minutes of the match. I guess the wins picked up out there, and um, and they were able to uh, you know kind of use that to their advantage. It was Aiden Mendoza who scored the go-ahead goal with seven minutes left, and Allen just uh, held serve from there. Sam Presser did his thing. He scored earlier in the match. I, mean, I believe he's had at least one goal in every playoff match that Allen's had so far. Um, yeah, I mean, Eastlake came in hot. They'd won eight in a row. Um, they had outscored opponents, you know, 33 to seven over that stretch, allowing, averaging, um, you know, more than four goals per match. And, um, you know, Allen was able to, uh, you know, after again, a bit of a, a down performance for its offense against Keller, they get right back on track and they've now scored at least three goals in four of their five playoff matches, including against a, uh, again, a stout Eastlake bunch. And now they're bound for the state semifinals against a team that I'm not sure at the start of the postseason, what the odds were that Rockwell Heath would be the, uh, the dance <laughs> partner coming out of the uh, out of region two rockwell heath they they closed the regular season winless in seven straight matches now you covered district 10 6a so i don't recall was this i don't know if it was you know injuries or at this time of year you have to wonder if it's quarantines or whatever but i mean this heath team has just shifted gears in the i mean at the, at the absolute perfect time their defense has been outstanding in the playoffs only one goal allowed but nevertheless this is just the th- the, uh, the three seed from district 10 6a so i mean was Rockwell Heath at all on the radar as you're covering this district throughout the season? Or Not not as a state semifinalist, yeah. no, not as a regional champion, because this is the t- a team that basically finished you know third. They finished tied from, with North Mesquite for second, mm-hmm. uh, but both well behind Tyler Legacy, who kind of ran away with that district. Um, but, yeah, that, that was – going to the final week of the season, there was a possibility that Rockwell Heath would not make the playoffs yeah. because Mesquite and Horn – uh, finishes three points back, which is essentially one victory back of Rockwell Heath at the end. Um, so yeah, no, that's um, if you know Tyler Legacy was so impressive during that district run. They didn't have a regulation mm-hmm. loss. Um, you know they they picked up points in in, in all twelve matches. Uh, you know I'm, I'm just looking at it right now. Rockwell Heath was five four and three um, in wow. district. So yeah, um, but they you know. I saw. I got to them play once, mm-hmm. and they're t- they're a talented group. Okay. But um, you know, when you when you have that many close matches, you got you got to think once you get to the playoffs that that luck's going to run out. Some play not. I shouldn't say luck, but you know the the ability to win close games mm-hmm. is only going to get you so far. But they've obviously uh, learned during the district season, learned during the regular season, and that's and caught fire at the right time. Because you just don't see that again. It was a seven match winless streak to close out the regular <laughs> season, and then they've somehow yeah everything has fallen into place where they emerge as the regional champion out of Region Two. And like I said, their defense has been incredible during this run. So you pair that opposite an Allen team 
that has been, you know, one of the hotter offenses in the state. And uh, it should make for a fun one. I believe it's going to be out at uh, Mesquite Memorial Stadium. That is at uh, 6 p.m. Tuesday, uh, Allen and Rockwall Heath for a, uh, a shot at the uh, at a state championship later on in the week out in Georgetown. So that is the, uh, at least in our coverage area, the boys representative from uh, from Class 6A. On the girls' side, um, you know, we have a, a state semifinal between, you could argue, the two best teams remaining in the postseason in Class 6A, and that um, is Flower Mound against the Woodlands. This one, Tuesday, 6 o'clock out at Belton. Man, Flower Mound is on an absolute tear right now. You know, that was uh, coming off that momentous win over Prosper, you know, being the uh, the first team to defeat Prosper all season, knocking them out in the third round of the playoffs with a 3-1 to one overtime victory. How would Flower Mound build off of that? And um, quite emphatically, because they had themselves a pretty impressive week, they uh, just went on an absolute tear in the second half against Eaton, ended up winning that match in the regional semis 5-0, to zero, and that set up a uh, maybe the most highly anticipated iteration of the Mound Showdown <laughs> in the uh, just in the history of the rivalry. I mean, a regional final between Flower Mound and Marcus, and you look at the matches that these two teams had in the regular season, and I mean, it was... Uh, it was a coin flip heading into that match. You could say, I mean, the first matchup, the district opener was a one-to-one draw back in January. And then their second matchup, Marcus actually led two to zero before Flower Mound rallied with three unanswered goals to win three to two. So um, at that point, you just, I mean, who knew what to expect out of the, uh, the third matchup, just given the familiarity between these two programs. And it ends up being a runaway for Flower Mound. They win three to zero. And a lot of that was, um, you know, a tribute to the, um, their, uh, their success on set pieces. They had two goals off corner kicks. Uh, Sydney Becerra is obviously very, very instrumental in that, um, in that aspect of Flower Mound's offense. She takes those kicks and she was able to put a couple on frame for, uh, for two of her teammates that um, were, uh, were finished. The first one came, in the, uh, in the first half from Marion Baltmanis, who's a defender, one of their star defenders. So not a player that's traditionally in on a whole lot of offense. So, uh, you know, cool for her to find the back in the net. And then in the second half, and this was the third goal of the match for Flower Mound, uh, Becerra found Sky Leach for, uh, for a goal right around the 60th minute. And then in between, Becerra scored a goal of her own just before halftime. So lots of Sydney Becerra in this matchup. And, um, you know, there was a moment there in the second half when Marcus got a PK that was saved by Peyton. And Whipple, Flower Mound star goalkeeper, um, and that's now uh, you know two clean sheets in a row um, after you know giving up one goal in each of their first three playoff matches. Um, Flower Mound's just they're in a, in a really really good groove right now. This is a 12 match winning streak that they have amassed. You look at that matchup earlier in district against Marcus, where they did have that big comeback in the second half, as kind of being the turning point in this because it wasn't long before that that they lost to uh, to Hebron, which snapped a uh, a multi year winning streak that they had put together, and um, since then they've looked like the team that was you know just tearing through everyone last season and now they're rewarded with the spot in the final four and it's going to be a good one because the Woodlands they come in with just one loss to their record they're riding a 19 match winning streak they've only allowed nine goals all season they're ranked number one in 6A by TGCA um, they did have a couple uh, you know a couple close ones last week though with a couple Manfield schools had to uh, tough out a couple wins there to get to this point but nevertheless though yeah I mean you can argue these are the two best teams remaining and I mean with the role that Flower Mound's on I mean it's going to take a team that's damn good to knock them off because they've been I mean just tearing through teams from Prosper to Marcus I mean there's some loud results that they're uh, putting together so uh, yeah Flower Mound girls headed to the state semifinals so 
that is a look at the, uh, the two teams that we have still standing over in Class 6A. Um, let's talk about, I guess, a couple schools that um, just a couple soccer programs in general that are in a pretty good way right now, and that is our two teams in 5A, um, both coming from the same high school, and that is the uh, – what a uh, what a surprise, man! I mean, Frisco Wakeland. They uh, now now with the boys, this is old hat. With the girls, do you recall when the last time the girls were on a run like this was? I mean, they won the state championship in 2018. So okay, well, that's yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's funny because you know some people kind of forget it because the boys have been so dominant in, in making four straight runs to the state championship game that the girls are somewhat a little bit overshadowed. But they kind of like, hey, by the way, you know we've had now, our we're awesome too. We, we, we've been t- we've been three rounds deep, uh, three rounds deep, ten straight years also. So Jeez. don't forget about us. Yeah, that's wow. That might not there might not be another high school in the state that's got a recent run of success like that within its two soccer programs. That no, is outstanding. No, and, and they they're they save it for the right time. Yeah. You know, they they don't always just go. They're not necessarily always ranked number one from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, they play a tough non-district schedule. They play in a, obviously a very tough district with the other with their Frisco ISD mates, uh, and that gets them ready. And mm-hmm. it, that's, that's been proven out over the last uh, decade when you see their postseason success. So, um, yeah, just I mean, we can now transition to 5A and talk whether it's the Wakeland boys or the Wakeland girls, wherever you want to start with this, Devin. But, um, you know, obviously some pretty happy times over there in Frisco as these two are uh, bound for the state tournament. And, um, yeah, now what do you – so what do you make of – the road that they've um, they've been able to take to this point, and um, just yeah, what is um, what are they looking like heading into a pivotal week? Well, we'll start with the girls yeah. because um, what a win that was for them in the regional finals. Yeah, <laughs> any time any time you can take down a, a perennial power like Highland Park, yeah. um, and not again Wakeland's a perennial power themselves. Uh, but I think that was kind of when the uh, the brackets came out. Um, I think you kind of circled, even though Wakeland came in as the second seed because. Uh, they tied for the district championship with Memorial. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, Highland Park, you know, is, is undefeated. They they cruise their district. And, um, you know, they're, they're just, I, I mean, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but, you know, 10, 12 state championships, I believe, mm-hmm. um, o- over the years. And, and Wakeland was able to, to to get it done. It was it was a game that, that, that was delayed. It had a lightning delay. Everybody was mm-hmm. fighting the elements on Friday. Uh yeah. But, you know, McKenna Jenkins came through, uh, scored both goals, and uh, they end up – they go to overtime, uh, but they get they get the, the, the game winner and uh, don't have to go to penalties, which uh, is sometimes just a crapshoot because oh, – yeah. I saw one on Friday yeah. that I'll get to in a bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just – Really impressive, uh, and and I you know I talk about McKenna Jenkins. I, I mean, Allie Perry's been their leading scorer all year. Uh, in the previous round against Forney, they rolled over Forney in a six nothing win, mm-hmm. and they just they spread it around. McKenna Jenkins uh, had a hat trick. Uh, Bella James scored. Brooke Hartshorn. They got a lot of different players who can score, but it's their defense. That mm-hmm. game, that goal they gave up against Highland Park was the first one they allowed in the playoffs. Wow. Um, you know, Drew Stover, their outstanding keeper, had 12 shutouts in the regular season. They allowed only eight goals prior to the playoffs uh, during the regular season. And then, obviously, they now allowed one in five rounds of the playoffs. So, I mean, they're just a complete team. Uh, and it, 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 it's interesting to see, like, say, um, it's, it's a team that, that knows success, not necessarily these girls. Because uh, we've talked about it in the last couple of weeks uh, with the playoffs basically being – 
canceled last year. And, uh, there's, you know, some of these seniors even, you know, it's been two years since they've been in the playoffs. So it's kind of hard to just say, oh, well, they, they have playoff experience or especially the, the underclassmen. Yeah. But when your program has experienced the amount of success that they have, it's just kind of something you come up as underclassmen. It's just, you know, this, this sense of confidence that, hey, look at the trophies on the wall, look at the banners on the wall, look at the trophies in the case. Uh, this We're used to being in this position. And, uh, We'll see. You know, they obviously got a, a tough challenge with a, a very good grapevine team. Uh, but with, with the number of playmakers they have on offense, and like I say, especially that defense, um, I mean, I I fully expect Wakeland to, 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 to be playing in Georgetown on Friday. What about the boys? I probably should expect the boys to be the same <laughs> since they've been in the last four, four uh, state championship games. Uh, you know, again, again, this is a Wakeland team that's – uh, during the regular season, they outscored their opponents uh, sixty-three to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the playoffs, fifteen to three. So that tells you they got a, they got just like the girls a, a great combination of, of, of scoring and defense. Uh, now they've gotten tested. Mm-hmm. R.L. Turner pushed them to the to a shootout. Uh, actually scored twice on them. That's two or three goals that they've they've given up in the in the playoffs and and, and played against a, a very good Longview team last. Uh, you know, it actually just moved to Saturday morning uh, as everybody tried to play the elements mm-hmm. uh, in a game. They were able to win one nothing. Ryan Greener gets the the game winning goal. Um, but, you know, they, they've just got, uh, you know, Brennan Bezdek. He had 20 goals in the regular season. He, he scored twice in their 2 nothing win uh, against Nacogdoches. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Ryan Greener. William Heidman has been a, a consistent scorer for him. Uh, Garrett Purcell, Marlon Williams, Jack Key. They just they have so many different guys that can do it. And, and then, obviously, the defense is, is stout. Um and, and again, this is their seventh straight year being to at least the regional semifinals. They're looking for their fifth straight mm-hmm. trip to the state uh, state finals. They won in 2017. They won in 2018. So this is obviously a, a team that expects to be there. And um, like the girls, I, I, I fully expect them to be there on Friday as well. So whereas you have, you know, Wakeland um, with all the success that their boys and girls teams are having, that is not the only high school in our coverage area that still has both its boys and girls soccer teams still playing as we dip down to Class 4A to round out the podcast. And we can talk about the budding soccer powerhouse <laughs> that is Salina, Texas, man. The Salina boys and girls both um, in their deepest playoff runs in program history and they're both in the state semifinals. They played, I mean, what a cool occasion, though, just given those circumstances then to be playing in the, uh, at the same venue in doubleheader on Friday in their respective regional finals out in, uh, out in Forney. Um, this was, so you had to go through a weather delay. Um, how long did your delay last? About 40, 40 45 minutes. This was a two-hour delay <laughs> out in Forney, and fortunately, the girls' match had already been put to rest, essentially, and they wound up just calling the match after the fact. This was a doubleheader from the time the girls kicked off at 6 p.m. to the dramatic finish of the boys' match later on in the night. <clears throat> this was a doubleheader that took over six hours to complete. The uh, The boys' match did not go final until 12.15 a.m., and um, it was a uh, yeah, it was a wild one. So, like, uh, the, uh, like there was a two-hour lightning delay, and the weather itself wasn't that bad. There was rainfall really for about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, but there just kept on being these little just bursts of lightning yeah. out in the distance. It didn't look like anything that was too threatening, but they were just, they wouldn't stop. So every time you had to reset 
set the the thirty minute timer for the delay, and uh, you know this boys match that was supposed to begin at eight winds up beginning around uh, you know ten o'clock, and then of course it goes the entire one hundred without a single goal leads to the shootout. But um, so yeah, I guess to, to set the stage at the very beginning of this, so for the Solana girls, they got this thing rolling. They played Henderson in the regional finals, and so they they got there in the semis by knocking off Bullard seven nothing. So right on right on par with their other towards scoring efforts. They had entered the uh, the regional final having outscored their first four playoff opponents 50 to zero. So imagine the surprise though, a little over two minutes when they get beat on a counter off a, uh, following a, a Solana corner kick and Henderson scores. A little over two minutes into the match, and just like that, it is one nothing Henderson. So, really, for the first time since their last loss in the regular season against Melissa, a little bit of adversity for Salina, and that's kind of been the part that head coach Steve Nichols has been really anxious to see how his team handles, just because the nature of their schedule <clears throat> and that district just didn't afford them too many opportunities to truly be tested. And they um and they responded well. You know, they were able to net the equalizer about 10, 15 minutes later, courtesy courtesy of uh, who else? Uh, Taylor Jurgess. Who set the the state's single season uh, goal scoring record in their uh, regional semifinal against Bullard? She added a second goal in the second half to up her total on the year to 114 goals. Um, she got other goals in the second half from um, let's see, Ashlyn Vana, uh, Lexi Toot, and um, yeah, I mean after they uh, this was a one one draw at the half, and then Nichols said that they made some tweaks with personnel and a couple changes to the system, and the um, the ball started just moving a bit better from piece to piece, and the um, the floodgates kind of opened. There for a bit. They wind up scoring three unanswered goals in the second half, and it would have been four because right as um so Taylor got tripped up in the box um with about three yeah with three forty five left in the second half, and they're already at four to one. Match has already pretty much been put to pasture. But right as she's lining up for a PK, that's when the siren goes off <laughs> for the weather delay, and um and they just decided after the fact just to call the match. I mean they we had, we had seen enough, and uh, so yeah, Solana girls able to advance to the uh, to the re uh, to the state semifinals. Big week for Taylor Trzeski. You know, as I mentioned, she sets that record earlier on. She actually is a, a multi-sport athlete. She qualifies for the regional track meet in three different events <laughs> that same week as well in the 100, the long jump, and the triple jump. And then Coach Nichols said afterwards that actually right before the regional final, she was off in another UIL competition and actually wasn't even able to ride the bus. She had to drive separate from them just because of the timing of the event to get there, um, to get all the way out to, out to Forney. So it's been a busy week week for Taylor Strzeski, um, but she's um, she's handled it all in stride, all the attention that has come with setting this record, and uh, yeah, she's now uh, helped lead Salina to its, uh, in just its sixth year as a varsity program, and they are right there in the, uh, in the state semifinals, and then that prefaced a... Uh, a matchup with the boys team, the boys who are in just their second ever postseason, just their third year as a varsity program, they um, they were able to knock off Paris in the regional semis three to two, and um, and played against uh, Palestine in a uh, a very uh, contentious regional final. This was one where uh, you know Salanik actually came out the start of both halves and actually almost surprised uh, Palestine with a a really aggressive shot on goal within the opening seconds of each half, and then things kind of settled into more of a uh, 
it was more of a defensive game for Salina. You know, the, um, they had a really, really tough time sustaining possession against Palestine. And some of that had to do with, especially in the second half, the wins in this match <laughs> were just insane. I mean, standing down there on the sidelines, um, snapping pictures during this one, as I was like, I mean, they were so strong as I'm trying to walk with the wind, with the winds coming at my back, as I'm trying to walk up and down the sidelines, it felt like I was on one of those moving walkways at the airport. I mean, you're just, you're gliding up there. I've, I've never been in winds that strong and you could see just it. I mean, just the level to which it affected the, uh, the flow of play on both sides. I mean, Slana had a, a really, I mean, you were kicking balls that are almost going backwards over your head. The winds were so strong. They actually had to pause the match midway through the second half because the, um, the Salina, the, the, the Salina goal was actually being blown back by the winds. It was so strong. It was pushing the goalpost back. They actually had to momentarily delay things so they could bring out, you saw guys carrying weight plates out so they could place them against the back of the, uh, of the goalpost just to keep it in place. The winds were that strong. And, um, you know, somehow through it all, despite having to play pretty much in those conditions for the entire 40 minutes of the second half, Solano was able to keep this thing scoreless. They were under some pretty heavy fire. Now, granted, it was pretty tough for Palestine to get shots on frame just because, I mean, with those winds, you have to kind of recalibrate the way that you, uh, there's just the amount of uh, force that you put behind a shot, the way you angle it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, those shots were coming in there like lasers. I mean, they were so fast because you had that wind carrying the ball. But they were able to get out of this um, out of regulation, you know, zero to zero. And then that same score held through the first, uh, you know, through the, uh, through the two overtime. So then you get a, a shootout. And then Salana ends up winning this thing three to two on PKs. Um, they get three. And then um, it was their goalkeeper, Nathan Yost, who was huge in keeping that thing, uh, you know, scoreless during regulation. But he's able to save Palestine's fifth PK attempt. And, um, and then the, the celebrations ensue. So a long, <laughs> grueling doubleheader ends with Salina making its first ever trip to the state semifinals. They play Fort Worth. Diamond Hill Jarvis up next. Another team that is making its deepest playoff run in their history. That is the second leg of a doubleheader on Tuesday out at South Lake Carroll. Um, I believe the start time for that is at 7.30. And that will actually, pr- actually follow up the girls game with Salina as they take on Midlothian Heritage. Um, and that's one of the, uh, you know, one of the, uh, kind of the, the benchmark programs that when coach Nichols talked, has talked about, you know, needing to find ways to make sure their offense translates against elite teams. That's typically the first team that he mentions as far as, you know, as far as what kind of the standard is right now in the, uh, in the girls level at four a in, um, in the Metroplex, um, you know, Midlothian heritage, they're arguably the odds on favor to win this thing right now. They've only had one loss all season. And it was to, you know, Nolan Catholic out in Fort Worth. So they're undefeated against public schools. They've only allowed one goal in the playoffs, but Hey, so is Salina. And at this point, I think we're seeing that, uh, you know, the rankings might not mean a ton at this juncture, given some of the upsets that we've seen, at least over in, uh, over in 6A. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a busy, busy Tuesday night as we've got six teams from our coverage area playing in the state soccer semifinals. And um, all the teams that um, – any teams that advance, they will, um, they will head on down to Georgetown later in the week for the, uh, for the state championship games. I believe the, uh, all the girls' state finals are going to take place um, on Friday. The boys' finals take place on Saturday. So uh, we'll see what kind of turnout there is, if any, from our coverage area, whether you know, 6-0, and 0-6, who knows. <laughs> it's, um, it's, again, at this juncture of the playoffs, with as good as all these teams are, you really have a tough time saying that anything is for sure, um, given the caliber of these programs. But, yes, that is a look at um, kind of where things are at in our coverage area as we head into a busy, busy week in the state semifinals. And um, that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back. Um, let's see. We'll see if we'll be back next week. I know we got all-area soccer.
soccer voting, and that can be pretty busy times. So we might be back next week. We might not. We'll see. <laughs> Until then, folks, you, uh, you take care, and we will uh, talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.